We see the darkened inside of a police station as a man sits over a blaring computer screen, his face illuminated by the grainy black and white footage that loops over and over on his screen. As we look closer, we see a man with jet black hair and a leather jacket in the black and white screen slammed out of the way by a swinging door, and a woman in a smart skirt but grandpa shoes jump back in surprise. Out of the door comes a hulking figure, hardly distinguishable among the rest of the pixels, but behind that runs a blur, a figure the officer takes as a cat, tearing out of the warehouse. The man in the leather jacket very clearly assaults the new arrival with a security baton, though the officer is surprised to see the giant take it without much notice. The woman runs up to help and takes a swipe at the giant man's head. Damn, that guy was strong though, the officer thinks, lifting her off the ground by the shoulders. A scuffle ensues, and eventually the man in the leather jacket lights the guy on fire. The woman runs off, and the tape ends. It couldn't have been the whole story, the detective thinks. Who was the guy who died? They hadn't received any missing person complaints. And why did the tape end before the warehouse burned down? But either way, the detective thought, it's not okay to light a man on fire. He rewound the tape, then paused as the woman turned to run. He recognized that face. Anyone on Twitter would. It was that news anchor who got fired. It was Molly Malficarum. He picked up the phone to send out the call. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Molly's Monsters. My name is Mick Dickinson, and I'm your keeper. And I'm Susan Dickinson, and I'm Molly. We're recording this bit a little bit before our our special guest star shows up. Uh, And by that, I mean like 18 hours before that. Uh, But we thought it'd be fun to kind of get started uh, without her so she doesn't have to sit around for too long. Uh, And Susan, how do you think it went last time? I think it went a lot better than the sentence just went for you. I'll go your sentence. No, I think it went really well. I think it was a lot of fun. I think Michelle was definitely the star of the show. Well, yeah, that's the point. That's why the guest star. <laughs> um, we have listened to it as well as uh, you haven't, um, probably. But if you have not listened to this, this is a real play uh, RPG. For some reason, we do it on our Bad Books podcast. Uh, but for Monster of the Week, which is a system uh, not unlike D&D is a system where you roll a d20. This one is a little bit different and a little bit uh, more grounded, even though there's still magic and, and monsters and everything like that. Uh, we listened to it as well, and I have to say that uh, uh, one major lesson I'm going to learn is to have Susan not roll the dice directly into the microphone uh, so that every single dice roll explodes both of your eardrums. I just really want people to feel like they're here with us and they're experiencing this with us in real time. And they're putting their ears right next to the dice box. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But 
in case I have not or do not mention it enough, all of the uh, music, unless otherwise noted for this podcast, comes from Louis Zong. You can find him on Bandcamp and SoundCloud and all that good stuff at Louis Zong. That's L-O-U-I-E space Z-O-N-G. Uh, he has very, very cute, very short music and is also a very good artist. He, he does a lot of all sorts of stuff. He has a video on YouTube that is potentially my favorite video on YouTube, and it is of two singing ghosts. Yeah, it's actually not on his account. It's on his Twitter account on YouTube. Somebody else hosted it. Um, it's called Ghost Duet, and it's very, very adorable. It's the cutest thing. They're so happy, little happy singing ghosts. Little happy ghosts. Um, Is but that what we're going to be encountering tonight? Not happy, happy ghosts. ghosts? Um, but we should get into it here, I think. Uh, we will be featuring a guest star here coming up. The guest star will be Katie. She uh, works with me at my high school. And she will be playing the part of a person whose name I don't know yet. So that should be pretty fun. Uh, and I, who I don't want to give away. But she sounds slightly more different from Susan than Michelle does. So hopefully this will be a slightly less confusing episode. Even I was getting confused about who was me and who was not. <laughs> yeah. And We've all been there. And so it goes with siblings. And Susan needs to not be reading my notes because <clears throat> there's stuff that happens that I don't want her to find out about. I think you are trusting in my eyesight a little bit more than I do. I can't read that from over here. Okay, so we'll get started. Everyone take a deep breath. Adventure begin. Molly, it is the, the next morning from when you saved Carmela Sweet from brown, Broken Brown Arrow. You come into work. The, uh, uh, you come into work. It was a bit of a long night as the witches talked your ear off. Remember, you had a bit of a slumber party aspect. Uh, except for Mary Beth Runningwater, who left early. The the head witch, uh, who did not appreciate your violent tendencies. Uh, even though you did not strike a single person throughout the entire adventure. I saved the day. I don't know what her problem is. But eventually, they settled down and made themselves comfortable in your office. You left to go home and sleep uh, while they kind of remained there and cast sleep spells on themselves. Uh, as you returned this morning, you found them gone, and with a nice handmade note of thanks on the desk, no dirt, no no leftover cauldrons or wands or anything like that. It reminds you to let them know if there's anything you need. I tuck the note into my notebook, just in case. Just in case. Arthur shouts from the next room over, Molly! <sighs> I don't know if I'm Molly. ready for this. What? Get over here. Let's Let's debrief. Okay, fine. My feet are covered in blisters. I'm really tired. From your good shoes? And kind of crabby. Yeah, I did a lot of running around last night in weird parts of the city. No, you didn't. You took an Uber. Okay. Well, theoretically. Um, emotional blisters. Emotional blisters. Okay. Okay. So I slouch into Arthur's office, hiding behind my coffee mug. And he he's looking a little bit worse for wear. You remember that he picked you up. He had been drinking a little bit. So he looks a little worse for wear, and he's like, oh, I, I tell you, you get those magic potion edibles, and they fix you up then, but you pay for it later, he says, kind of drinking a big cup of coffee. Clearly, you don't look so good today. Okay, wow, drink some water, Dis dissolve that salt you got in your system here, we're just getting going, I mean, it's, it's 9.30 a.m., it's way too early for a paranormal investigator, this is literally like three in the morning. <laughs> Okay, so are we going to talk about last night? Because I have some questions. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Yes, yes, yes. Let's let, let's debrief. Uh, big, big, big picture first. What, what, I did not get a lot out of you last night. 
Skeletons. Big ones. Okay, that's pretty big picture, I suppose. But, uh, you know, the kidnapping. Uh, okay, There's well, a kidnapping, right? Yes, there is a kidnapping. We figured all of that out. But what I'm immediately concerned about right now, Arthur, is the skeletons. Are there more of them? I mean, I don't want to alarm you, Molly, but there's one inside you right now. Okay, Arthur. I meant, are there going to be other ones that spring out of the ground? Dog, I, I, Molly, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. This is a paranormal investigative supernatural Pinedale services service. Oh, God. Oh, okay. This is a paranormal supernatural investigative service, right? There, there's all sorts of different stuff that can and will and have and should not, and you have to stop it from happening. All right, fair. I also wanted to tell you, do you remember the cat? Uh, y- the cat that escaped from the warehouse? Yeah. I saw the cat again. Really? Yeah. How, did you get it? Did you catch it? Did you kill Although it? No, I was a little distracted. There was a lot happening. There were witches. One of them was kidnapped. There was a giant skeleton. My roommate showed up. No, I did not get the Arthur cat. I did not of, kill the cat. Arthur leans back in his chair and kind of rubs on his eyebrows a little bit. He goes, Molly, how many times do I have to tell you, like, that cat's the big deal? I know. It all happened so fast. All of a sudden, it was there, and then it wasn't there, and then we had to go. Oh, ooh, fine. Okay. We're, we'll keep an eye out for the cat, but there's a... There's a cult, Nolly, in in Pinedale, apparently. Yeah, there's a cult. They kidnapped one of the witches, but we got her out. Um, Lilith was amazing. And the whole time, Arthur, she just looked so stylish. I know. Her story was fantastic. Did she get that on our story? Oh, my gosh, I haven't even watched it yet. Do I show up on there? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be famous. Molly, you're already famous. I wouldn't want to appear on social media any more than you already have. You're, You're known... Quite quite a few times for your... Did you really have to bring that up again, Arthur? Listen, I'm sorry. Anyway, back to the cult. So there's the cult. Um, what are we going to do about it? I don't know, man. You're the... In- I mean, we'll do some investigating, I guess. You've been here working here, what, like a week? Usually finding a cult takes at least a month, but you've already unearthed one in one week. So clearly I have some aptitude for this position. Yeah, it, it, you're doing... Pretty good. I, I, I always believed in <clears throat> you. Uh, but I it strikes me, we we never did call the police. We probably should have done that. I suppose that would have been a good thing to do, what with the fireworks and the firearms that were present, neither of which were probably that legal. That brings up a good point, actually, Arthur. What exactly is our relationship with the police listen i'm not gonna say they know about me as much as i know about them but i know about them so in these kinds of situations do we call them well i mean molly we we get the witch out of there so or the zombies or the dead cat out of the situation and then yeah we call the police and there's a guy with a gun Okay, so basically what you're saying is we clear up all of the paranormal situations and then call the police to take care of all of the non-paranormal situations. Some might call it normal. I don't think there's any such thing as normal anymore, Arthur. Hey-o. But I suppose since we didn't call the police then, we might as well head over to the warehouse. 
Uh, let's drive over there, see what's left. I they had to have packed up the whole racket once the witch is out of there. They they lost their ace in the hole thanks to you, Molly. So thank you. Uh, plus Roman's off assignment. He'll he'll come with us. Uh, he'll he'll provide some backup and some support. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. Okay, so you uh, go down into the the you got down the fancy fancy elevator into the not so fancy Hall of Records with their reel to reel and manila folders and. Arthur's like, uh, it's only been a week, but I, I promise I'm getting this uh, uh, cleared up. Uh, you pull out of the, the Pinedale Investigative Underground uh, lot in the Arthur's company car. Uh, Roman comes with you. Hey, how's it going? He says. I heard you unner- uh, unearthed the cult. That's, that's no small potatoes. I mean, I'm a pretty big deal now, Roman. Okay. That's not that big potatoes either. <laughs> Believe me, I my name's Roman. I'm Irish, so... I know a thing about potatoes. Uh, you get into the, the company car and you drive a couple blocks west, uh, hook a, a, a turn south, and you are headed down kind of a major road over Lincoln Island where you see the, the marble courthouse that sits on Lincoln Island. Uh, you don't know how they got it to stand up on what is basically just a, a, a sand what do they call it? When it's a, a, a sandbank, a sandbank, a sandbar. That's basically just a glorified sandbar as Lincoln Island, and there's a there's a public works administration depression era courthouse on it. It's insane. Uh, but as you pass by, you see that n- nothing's too busy. It's nine in the morning. You know, there's a couple people in suits moving here and there. But you you continue on. You pass the old town where you you had originally met Lilith. You originally solved or uh, went to the Halloween shop to find the the stolen goods, and then you head back to the Atlas warehouses. Uh, as you look down the river uh, from the bridge over Lincoln Island and as you are coming closer you can see across the green space that there are no barges empty or full in front of the warehouses like they were last night a quick check to the side street as you pull up closer reveals no uh, broken highlanders with bone golem shaped dents in the side everything is perfectly clean and cleaned up as if it were all a dream there, there's no sign of a struggle last night. Uh, you managed to find a couple brown patches in the grass where uh, Lilith's mud had landed instead of grass. Uh, Arthur pulls up to the warehouse, pulls to, up to a stop, and with a check to make sure his phone and his gun are still attached, very dad-like to his hip. He's got one of those mm. dad cell phone hosters. He begins jaywalking across the street into the, uh, the warehouse. Checks both ways and everything. Suddenly, with a whoop, the cop car appears, and lights flashing, a young blonde police officer steps out. Arthur kind of throws his hands up in the air and goes, Oh, come on, really? For for jaywalking? He says, tucking his hands nonchalantly into his pants to hide his holster. <laughs> uh, the cop goes, No, sir, though you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that either. I'm here for her, he says, and points at you, Molly. You're Molly Malificam, right? You're under arrest, along with your friend right here, he says, nodding at Roman. Um, I look, I, I, I am completely taken aback. I look at Roman with raised eyebrows. What, what did you do? Roman kind of has his eyes darting side to side. He goes, I didn't, I didn't I've been on assignment, but they, they, I'm too good. They wouldn't catch me, but maybe we should get back in the, and then as he's kind of, his eyes are darting side to side and the cop is kind of approaching three more cop cars pull up each whooping, whooping and flashing their lights. Please, ma'am. Come with us.
were taken to the Lincoln Island Courthouse with a stewing Roman in the hard plastic seat next to you, handcuffed. It's a short, quiet ride since Roman is too angry to speak, although you can hear him growl occasionally. As the car stops, you are, you are quickly separated and taken through different entrances into the courthouse. The courthouse itself is beautiful over there on Lincoln Island. Uh, the pristine example of the Public Works Administration building during the Great Depression, the building is all marble, tarnished brass, and oil painting of paintings of mean-looking white men. Heavy oak benches sit next to heavy oak doors built into heavy oak frames. The floor at your feet is light pine, and you wonder just how many logging jobs this one courthouse created in Pinedale's forests. Or how much erosion. Despite all this beautiful architecture, though, the trash bins are overflowing and more than a couple gum wrappers and stray office papers litter the floor. You're escorted up a, uh, up a couple floors to the offices. How are, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling extremely confused and also very nervous that they've separated Roman and I because I want to make sure that we somehow get our story straight. Uh, sorry, a man says as you enter this, this extra office. Uh, there are hardcover law books all over and a long, uh, long table. It's oak, naturally. Uh, he says, we'd, we'd usually take you to the police station for holding and questioning, but there's this big frat party busted at Cascadia State last night. You do not want to be in those holding cells right now, he says. Not every accused criminal comes to the courthouse, so I guess consider yourself lucky. Uh, what is this? CSI? You'd usually follow the rules, but not today. He's a handsome guy, probably just over 30. He might as well be out of central casting for young police officer with the stubble and hair that was just beginning to gray at his temples, even as it remained perfectly combed. I'm Detective Carlos Miranda, ma'am. I'll, I'll take here. From, I'll take it from here, officer, he says to the cop who paraded you through. With a nod, the cop unlocks your handcuffs and leaves. Um, I take a seat in front of Carlos Miranda. Oh, he said, oh, oh. Yes, take a seat. Thank you. Uh, Miss Maleficarum, you're not under arrest. Not yet. But I've got a partner questioning your stern-looking friend right now, and you you don't want us to switch. Detective, Car Detective Terry can be a lot less pleasant than me. So, why don't you pour yourself a glass of water, and, and let's get started. Okay, I pour myself a glass of water and look at him expectantly. Okay, and he says, so what were you doing a week ago? A week ago, you were at the warehouse with the cat and mummy. Um, well, technically, uh, just about a week ago, I was a newscaster and I got fired from my job. Yes, he says. I, I, I saw that. It was a, uh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's tragic for you. I'm sorry that you got fired, uh, but I saw it a couple times. Um, but no, what were you doing a week ago? Pretty much. And he looks at his watch and goes, I don't know why I looked at my watch. It doesn't have the date on it, but a week ago today. Um, I had just started a new position. And we, my supervisor had taken me to a warehouse and we were checking through some materials at the warehouse. So this, this supervisor, is that the man you were arrested with? Um, no, it is not. So there's another person at that warehouse? Yes. Interesting, he says and begins taking notes. So what happened at, at this warehouse? Um, we were just doing some, just checking out some of the things that were stored in the warehouse. Um, we didn't really find anything that interesting, and that was pretty much the day. Miss Malfikarmi says, please tell me the truth. Um, I'm getting very sweaty because I don't know how much this man knows about 
kind of investigative supernatural services, sees, and I don't know how much to tell him. He sees you getting very sweaty, and he says, listen, you, you're apparently very nervous. I'll give you a second to calm down. I need to go make a call anyway, and he leaves the room. What do you do? Uh, do I have my cell phone with me? No. Uh, um. By the way, in case you don't remember, Arthur was not arrested. Yes, so I you, do remember. You and Roman were arrested. Yes. But I don't have any means of contacting Arthur. Nope. So you were in this law office. You you have had your basically like gear taken away. Uh, luckily, they they did license you for the gun that you had. Uh, so that is good. You you do have a firearm license. Um, but the the gun, the brass knuckles that you have, uh, you're allowed to keep your jacket and everything like that. But other than that, you are weaponless and you're in this law courtroom. Do you want to take a look around or anything? Maybe roll some dice uh... in this RPG podcast. Yeah, I will take a look around and see if I can find anything that would indicate if Carlos Miranda knows anything about the supernatural. So you might be investigating a mystery or reading a bad situation. Up to you. Probably investigate a mystery. Yeah, that sounds good. So roll 2d6 and add sharp. And we... Oh. Oh. No, dude, what would you get? I got a 4 plus 1 is 5. So that's a... I believe you get to hold 1, correct? When you... when that Because that's a mixed success. Or okay. no, that is a failure? I think I should have reread the rules before we played. <clears throat> Maybe. Shut up. Um, on a seven to nine, what'd you get? Six? A five. A five. So, no, you look around and there is just nothing. This is, what you see is like a lawyer's, it's not even like a single lawyer's office. It is just like a communal office for the courthouse lawyers. So you're kind of like drumming your hands on the table. By the way, to our podcast listeners, I want to inform you that we have stuffed the box that we rolled dice in with paper towels. You're welcome for your ears. Uh, the officer or Detective Miranda comes back in and he kind of uh, has an extra cup of coffee in his hands and it is uh, steaming. And he says, listen, uh, my other partner, Officer Giddy, or uh, Terry. Officer Terry, thank you. And he says, no wonder I need this coffee. And he kind of lifts it up. Because uh, Dickinson forgot. Um, Officer Terry is, is not a nice guy, but he's been talking to your friend, Rome, uh, Mr. Giorgio, over in the other room. And he's, he's told us everything. So it's probably in your best interest to just spill it. I am absolutely convinced that Roman has not confessed anything. But I don't know what else to do, so I cave. Okay, so what do you do? Um, well, about a week ago, things in my life took a really interesting turn, and I started working for the Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services. He barely manages to keep the coffee in his mouth. He goes, I'm sorry, Pinedale Investigative... Supernatural Services. Is this like the National Enquirer, or... Yes. Um, you sound I, very convinced, he says. <laughs> no, I, I mean, we're not related to or we're not, you know, in cahoots with the National Enquirer. But, you know, there are some people that really believe Molly, in Molly, the supernatural. I'm going to stop you right there. Can I call you Molly? Yeah. I think we've established a relationship here. Right? Okay, go ahead and call I'm me I'm trying Molly. to help you out. So, who is the guy that came out of the warehouse... Why did Mr. Giorgio hit him in the back of the head with the security baton? We've got videotape of this. Who was the guy that was in there? I don't know who he was. I don't know who he was. We were sent to go investigate the warehouse. By who? By my supervisor. I don't know who informed him. The third man, okay. 
And so this, I mean, I've got this all on videotape, of course. <clears throat> but when did you burn down the warehouse? Was it after you dispatched the guy? Because I saw Roman light the guy on fire. I was not responsible for the burning down of any warehouses. The warehouse very clearly is burned down, and you light a guy on fire outside of it, and you expect me not to believe. Okay, but we didn't do it intentionally. There were just some things happening that were really hard to explain. I will remind you, stepping out of the fiction here for a second, you left with that warehouse intact. Yeah. Okay. So, he says, so, let me help you out here. You light the guy on fire. No, Roman lights the guy on fire. It's all Roman's fault when you think about it. So, And then guy stumbles back into the warehouse. Maybe some oily rags, some tinder, and it just lights up. Look, all, all Roman, I know right? is that when I left and Roman left with me, the warehouse was not on fire. And then you see him kind of scratch his head and he's like, okay, listen, this is all pretty weird and we don't have everything on videotape. And, and then you hear a knock on the door. Officer that arrested you comes in, says, CF3 wants your perp in his office for a plea deal. Miranda kind of stops. It's, it's not, I'm not done here yet. Yeah, well, you tell CF3 that, he says. Don't call him CF3, Miranda kind of reminds the officer. He, he, he hates that. And then the officer leaves. He says, I'll be right there. So he looks at you, Molly, and says... If we're going to a plea deal, I guess I have to arrest you, and I have to give you my rights. <clears throat> uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> he says, listen, this job needs all the, the help it can get. And so he, he turns you around, he puts the handcuffs back on you, but, like, nicely, and says, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be hold, held against you in a court of law. Uh, you have the right to an attorney. If an attorney cannot be provided... For, or if you cannot afford an attorney, one would be for... I'm sorry, I'm just shaking out. This is earlier than I was thinking, and he finishes the Miranda rights that I thought I knew, but I don't. Okay. Uh, so, after Detective Miranda fastens the handcuffs back onto you, you're taken downstairs through the main hallways. As people there are paying tickets or fulfilling legal observation quotas for their university, uh, they shoot looks, looks at you. Molly, you hear... Oh, Molly from Alpha Karen, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes, like, blah, 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 Twitter videos, blah, 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 blah. So you kind of hear people recognizing your face. Uh, but with a, a, a quick left, you turn down a less well-traveled hallway, which you can tell because there's a lot less litter down this one. Uh, at the end, a court bailiff awaits and ushers you into the room. Inside, you see a gigantic mahogany desk. It stands out from all of the other oak because mahogany doesn't grow in Oregon. Uh, that's, a, that's a far trip for wood to go. An older man in a golf polo sits behind it and turning from one of the chairs made of green leather that only ever appears in lawyers' offices is a white-haired man in a three-piece suit. The man in the suit stands up. Uh, Good morning, Miss Malfrakarum, he says. I'm Charles Fitzemmerhugh III, and I'm here to discuss what sort of deals we can make to speed this along. He says, Roman is pushed roughly through the door behind you. Oh, good, Fitzemmerhugh says. Mr. Giorgio, now we can begin. Usually this would be done without a judge present, but his honor, Taney Myers, uh, wants to make sure this state was justly recompensed. And the judge kind of like nods. Quite right, quite right. He says. 
Uh, so basically, we'll lay it out. You plead guilty for the assault and arson. You were caught on tape and ran a kind of... <clears throat> you can tell he's not comfortable with that mm-hmm. sort of statement. Uh, you were caught committing, and, and we'll guarantee you only six months. Plead guilty, and you only get six months. It's a very nice deal. Uh, and then the judge goes, <clears throat> six, oh, six months. <laughs> and then the, the prosecutor, eight, eight months. Uh, eight months. You try and go to court and not plead guilty, Miss Malficarum and Mr. Giorgio, and Judge Myers and I will be sure to get you the max. It's in your best interest to plead guilty right here. Says. And, uh, dear boy, I'm, I'm quite sure I can find more than the max, the judge says. How are you, How is Molly feeling right now? Um, Molly kind of wants to roll her eyes at the idea of more than the max, because there's no way to do more than the maximum. Uh, but otherwise, it's feeling extremely nervous and very pressured, Molly. and I keep trying to catch Roman's eye. Okay. And then the judge, the prosecution looks at you and says, So, uh, what do you say, old sport? Should we get this deal made? I look helplessly at Roman. Roman is too angry to say anything. You can, like, hear the teeth grinding. And finally he goes, Don't we get a lawyer or something? Uh, I look at Carlos Miranda and I say, You let me know that I have the right to a lawyer. I, I would like a lawyer present. Ugh. And the judge, like, ugh, rolls his eyes, and the prosecution rolls his eyes, and the judge says, oh, this public defender that you're going to get, he's he's worse than this janitor. Look at my office. There's so much trash in the hallways. I guess that's what you get from uh, uh, hiring ex-cons. They're so untrustable. He says. And then the prosecution says, no, no. If, if I'm not going to provide the full extent of the law, then my name isn't Charles the Third. And then uh, um, they send an officer, he ducks into the, the courtroom and comes back with a, I want to say like, take Bernie Sanders' hair and Albert Einstein's hair combined. Uh, that A guy with that, but jet black, just sticking straight out of his head. Okay. And he's like, <clears throat> hello, yeah, uh, uh, Clarence Gideon, um, I'm here as your public defender. Um, Mary, I gotta tell you, just take the deal. It's Molly, actually? Molly, I'm sorry. I got, like, 7,000 cases. It They seem to have a lot of evidence on you. Um, at least, uh, I've been told. They don't um, have evidence. They, it's not on camera. We didn't set the building on fire. You set a building on fire? We did not set the building on fire. Oh, my, uh, they don't have that on tape. And he kind of rubs at his temples. He's like, oh, God. Listen, there's literally a trial going on in that courthouse right now that I'm supposed to be doing. Just take the deal and I'll... Oh, God. And he just... He's, he's always out of breath. Uh, don't I get a phone call? Boom! And you hear a gigantic boom from the courthouse. Inside the courtroom. And everybody stands up, including Roman, still in handcuffs, and runs through the door. Because there's a, a... This is like the judge's chambers. There's a, a door that runs into the courthouse. Uh, do you follow him? Mm-hmm. So Molly follows. Thank God, or else this adventure will be really weird. Uh, inside the courthouse, which is smaller than you, Im- the courtroom, excuse me, which is smaller than you imagined, and it has kind of like office carpet. It's less fancy than the courthouse itself. Uh, is a small crowd gazing towards a coffee cup smashed on the ground, just right there, smashed. And you hear the bailiff kind of, or you see the bailiff kind of perk up as Judge Myers runs into the room and goes, "All right, 
And everyone kind of startlingly stands up. Uh, but the judge who is already at the bench looks very nonplussed that they just rose for a different judge other than him. And the bailiff looks very sheepish. Uh, standing behind one of the tables, gazing down at the cup with everyone else is, uh, well, who is it, Katie? Gal Capone. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, if you could give us some help with a, a description so we can picture you in our mind's eye. Okay, uh, so Gal Capone is a crooked grifter, uh, who is female in nondescript clothing. <laughs> Uh, with watchful eyes. Now, Katie, I've always said that about you. <laughs> hey, I'm in nondescript clothing with watchful eyes. <laughs> you have to have watchful eyes with some of the kids we have. I think I, that's my favorite Hollow Notes song. Watchful eyes. <laughs> um, so this is Katie. Say hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hey, oh. Uh, she and I teach together. She likes nerdy stuff like me. So this is. I'm a closet t- nerd, though. I'm not as open about it. <laughs> yeah, well. Nerd stuff i don't know i don't want to be problematic um so she will be playing oh god gal capone <laughs> you laughed when i first yes i did you, don't oh even my act goodness angry. it's like almost when somebody makes puns one of us will have to roll our eyes at the other <laughs> mostly one to the other um so gal capone you're on trial here what are you on trial for um, let's, let's be on trial for grand larceny. Grand oh, larceny. Goodness. Now for the, I obviously fully understand what larceny means and do not just accept it as a thing, but for the folks at home, what is larceny? Uh, so I stole a lot of really expensive stuff. I see. So like more thefty than theft. Yeah. Like I, I broke into a house and stole all of the, uh, expensive items and then put them in like the the Buick and drove the Buick away. <laughs> Your that Buick. kind of naturally. I mean, larceny is a fancier word for theft because you're stealing fancier <laughs> things than yeah. normal theft. Uh-huh. So makes sense. Uh, now I have to delete my character named Larceny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a in the middle of this marble floor, or uh, I'm sorry, this carpeted floor. You can see uh, just fragments of a a ceramic coffee cup, uh, and everyone is just staring at it, and it's like a coffee cup dropped. So as you, as everyone who is in the other office kind of comes in, Roman, what happened? What's the screaming? And he's still kind of handcuffed. And you hear someone perk up from the the crowd and uh, she's like, it it just fell. It moved off of the the bench. No one touched it. No one did anything. And now it's in the middle of the floor. If, If it was just fell off the bench, then that would have fallen, you know, at the bench. But it's way out there. I don't, I don't even know. I start looking around to see if I can see signs of anyone who kind of seems unnatural. Okay, you see no one, but as you look around, you see uh, Arthur duck into the courthouse, looking very, or courtroom, excuse me, courtroom looking very satisfied that he's found you, and he's got a a, a kind of like a messenger, a canvas messenger bag, and he sits down and he pats his, uh, pats it and looks very pleased with himself. And then as, as soon as he sits down, you don't know, why, but the door's closed. Chukong! Heavier than, like, a normal door might slam shut. Okay, I move closer to Roman because I feel like whatever is about to happen, he's probably a pretty good person to be close to. So, the the judge up front is like, listen, uh, let's get back to this. Miss Capone, uh, what do you have to say for, uh, 
Uh, and as uh, he he can't think of anything to say because the the pencil on his stand or the pen, judges probably don't use pencil. Uh, the pen on his stand is beginning to kind of run across his bench. And he goes, um, so let's keep going. Uh, Bailiff, could you secure the pen and someone run out to get the janitor for this, this coffee cup in the middle of the room? So the bailiff grabs the pen and starts running or walking very calmly to the back of the doors. And then as he goes to open up, chikung, 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 he kind of looks around and he says, they're, they're, uh, these doors are done locked, he says, finding his voice very quickly. They're locked. I try Who to make courthouse door. I try to make eye contact with Gal because I kind of feel like something's going on with her. Uh, is my character restrained in any way? No. Like, do I have hand? I'm just like she's on. In court. She's on trial. Yeah. Okay. So you don't get handcuffed in court. Cool. It's good so to know. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to make eye contact with you. Are you looking forward or are you looking at me? Um, I'm not definitely. I'm looking backwards because I don't like the judge because okay. judges judges are little bitches. Fair. So. <laughs> I the more I look at her, the more I like this woman. Um, as as the court, uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, and he's just like trying his hardest to just move past all that stuff that's happening. Okay, Miss Copone. Now we were we were talking, and um, your your lawyer, Mister Wainwright, uh, that's not right, Gideon. <laughs> so lawyers out there, there's going to be a lot of puns, and I'm going to mix them up. Uh, Wainwright is the prosecution. I'm sorry, I messed this up. So Gideon, uh, if you could go back to your statements, and he's like, um, uh, so what I'm saying is, uh. I'm sorry, I've, I've got like 10,000 things running through my mind. I can't remember them all. And Molly, as you are very awkwardly standing in this courthouse, like next to the judge where people shouldn't be, you see out the window a small shape. And this window, uh, or outside this window, this small shape is a cat staring calmly into the courthouse. It's hairless. It's, uh, uh, it's just very calmly staring in. And as you remember the exterior of the courthouse, you're like, as it goes down to the parking lot, Probably a story and a half above the parking lot, and there's a cat there. I try to very subtly so that I'm not, like, causing a scene, but I try to make eye contact with Arthur. Mm-hmm. And as we, like, connect eyes, I, like, try to point my head towards the window because I want him to, to pay attention to cat. And so what happens is you hear some more, like, like Jurassic Park rattling while you're trying to get uh, uh, Arthur's attention, and Arthur waves you off and points at the bailiff. And you can see the bailiff coming back from the doors as he is walking to take his usual step, like place back, start slowing down and start going. Uh, and as he, as he gets even kind of into the middle of the, the TV court ha- courtroom, so he's he's between the defense and prosecution uh, tables and a couple feet away from you and Roman Molly, he he starts stopping and his his arms become more jerky and he just kind of like strains up and he goes, "All all rise, all." All rise, all, all, and as he says that, the judge says, Offer, Officer Katz, what do you, Roscoe, stop. And uh, uh, the bailiff, his eyes just glazed over, uh, unhooks his holster and takes out his pistol. What do you guys do? I'm completely unarmed at this point, correct? Yeah. You don't um... need to do something. I don't 
know what, though. You could roll to understand a bad situation. You could roll to help out. You could roll to kick some ass. He is undoing his service revolver, and he's turning towards the prosecution. Okay, I'm going to roll to understand a bad situation and try to figure out what's controlling him. Okay. Four plus... You need to start rolling better. Okay, I'll work on that. There's a dude, and he seems like he is going crazy. Great. Uh, can I roll to tackle him? You certainly can. Okay. I'm going to say this is going to be a help out uh, or act under pressure roll. Okay, so... So, I roll. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that would be a seven, even. Seven total? Yeah. So I believe that is a mixed success. So you will get to tackle the bailiff, but you are going to expose yourself to greater danger. So as you tackle the bailiff, he his his... Uh, uh, he does not draw a bead on the prosecution, but now you're standing on top of a, a large cop, and he's got a service revolver drawn, and he, uh, as you are very close to this guy's face, you can see it's just totally blank. Like, he's not angry that he's been tackled, he's not surprised that he's been tackled, he is just as if he uh, is walking through a hallway, uh, uh, looking at you as he begins to kind of turn this, uh, pistol onto Gal. I am going to try to help her out, and I'm going to roll to kick some ass. Kick some ass. Seven plus... Zero. So a seven, that's a mixed success, so you are going to take some harm as well, uh, but you're going to deliver some harm. So I'm going to say you're going to deliver one harm to this guy as you... Like, one damage is what... uh, Harm is what it's called in uh, this game. To the guy or to me? To the guy. So you're going to deliver one harm to Roscoe the Bailiff, uh, but he is going to kind of, uh, on the ground, kind of slap at you back. He delivers one harm, but since you have one armor, you're not going to actually take any. Okay. Right. Did you fill an experience for that fail roll that you had before, by the way? No. You should do that. Uh, so you kind of bring both handcuffed hands down on the guy's head uh, uh, and conk him a little bit. And so he, he is uh, uh, incapacitated. He's not unconscious, but he has been stopped from doing anything too bad as of right now. And several other members of the court rush over to restrain him and take the gun away from him. In the uh, confusion, can I try to steal his keys? <laughs> um, roll for uh, act under pressure. So that's a cool roll. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a 13. <laughs> that's a 13. So you expertly Amazing. with your with your, oh, with your deft fingers, you manage to... Uh, get his gigantic ring of keys uh, off of his body and pocket them into the, I assume, numerous pockets you have in your, and I quote, nondescript clothes. (laughs) Um, As they step forward, or as they restrain the bailiff, the judge, Roscoe has been working here for 30 years. I don't understand what would make him do such a crazy thing. And then a chair begins floating. And Arthur kind of stands up and he goes, um, judge, if I, if I may, uh, hello, um, obviously, and excuse me for the language in the courthouse, weird shit is happening. Um, so I think we better kind of put this on pause. And the judge is like, no, 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 there's nothing. Let's keep going. And you kind of hear murmurs in the, the courthouse and everything like that. And so Arthur's like, listen, I didn't want to do this, but, and he walks up to the bench and he like takes out two copies of the exact same envelope. Here's a thing from a, and he talks a lot quieter, but I have to talk loud for the microphone. Here's a thing for the, from, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, uh, the city, um, excusing our people from today's trial. 
Um, and since Gal Capone has been helping us out, I'm going to include her in the um, umbrella of that. And he kind of hands it to these people, and they open the envelope, and both judges kind of look at it, and they're like, they're not happy about whatever large power Arthur has managed to swing on their side, but they say, fine. Uh, Officer Miranda uncuff uh, Miss Malficarum, Mr. Giorgio, and uh, uh, Miss Capone. Uh, for the, sh- the short time, you are off the hook for now, says. Uh, and Arthur kind of turns to look back at the window that you're originally uh, pointing at, and the cat is gone. But what the cat, what you see now is that the cat is sitting in one of the row seats. Um, I, I'm standing next to Roman, and so I kind of, like, as we're getting our cuffs taken off, kind of kick at Roman's ankles. Yes, goes, stop it, what? And then I, like, do again, like, nod with my head towards the cat. And he looks around and goes, oh, shit, that's the cat. And the cat is staring at both of you, He's like, and he's like, that's the cat. And the cat very calmly hops off the bench, or off of the, the pew or whatever, you know, like the, the, the uh, audience bench. And then walks very calmly up and jumps. And cats can jump pretty high. But this mm. is like, holy crap high, onto the judge's bench. And he turns around. And he sits down. And the cat turns around and goes, I am Silat. I want to speak. The cat says in a very booming voice from this little cat mouth, I want to save this courtroom. <laughs>